Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 26, Patience, part 8 of our Virtues and Vices series, recorded Thursday, September 19th of 2013, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game, I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm still Brandon. Welcome to, what are we on, take five? Take I don't three, know. I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a mess. All right. So, a uh, couple quick news and notes. First of all, unfortunately, we don't have Mike with us tonight. Uh, he's got a bunch of sick family members and work stress and possibly a shoggoth. So, Mike, best of luck. Use the other signs. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> They'll keep you safe. And see if you can get a hold of some powder of Ibengazi, but don't look. Um, well, you were on another podcast yes. just this last week. Yes, I was. Stu Venable of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast is organizing a RPG Roundtable podcast, which you can find at rpgroundtable.net, and you can find the video take of it on Stu's YouTube channel. Just search for Stu Venable or Happy Jack's on YouTube, and you should find it. Um, by the time this episode drops, it'll probably actually have appeared in our Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter feed, if you're curious. It was an interesting episode. It was. I, I enjoyed being on it. I watched that. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, the premise is that you get a bunch of podcasters from various different RPG podcasts, get them on the same topic and talking to each other and sort of see what happens and what people come up <laughs> with. So it uh, worked out pretty well. And hopefully Brandon will be on the next episode, which will be fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get on... <laughs> yeah, so the topic that we um, we ended up talking about was role-playing reward mechanics, uh, mechanical parts of role-playing games that are designed to reward role-playing or open up opportunities for role-playing and just that sort of thing. Anything from experience points for, you know, you role-played well to fate chips to bennies. Probably, actually, we spend the most time talking about bennies because a couple of the other guys on there, uh, Stu especially, are big Savage Worlds guys, so... It's a useful framework to talk about that sort of thing in. So, did you guys cover giving the best role player at the table an extra slice of pizza? No. Well, something for the next time. We did, however, talk about the problems of subjectively defining the best role player at the table. So that's something. Actually, that was one of the more interesting parts of the episode. I think. I, I enjoyed that part of it. It was. It was good. The whole thing was good. And speaking of episodes, I wanted to thank. Jack Birkenstock for being on our last episode, and thank all of our listeners who have shared around episode 25. Uh, I spoke with Jack today, and he said that the response from having been on Saving the Game has been fantastic, far better than he expected, and he is now swamped. He's getting a ton of good out of it. The whole Bodana group is, Save Against Fear is, so to all of you who've shared that episode around, thank you. Um, if this episode it. Yes, please keep doing it. If this episode drops on time, this next weekend, October 11th through the 13th, is Save Against Fear. So this is your absolute last chance. If you're at all close to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, now's your time. Go sign up and get your pre-reg in to save your 10 bucks. I'm really hoping that uh, he'll eventually start doing Save Against Fear regional stuff, because if they did one in Chicago, I would totally go. Oh, yeah, and if they did one in the South, I'd be able to make it, so, you know. I'm, like, a state away from Pennsylvania, and I'm trying to go, so... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Here's hoping. Maybe next Whenever year. Whenever we get the teleporter working, Brandon, mm -hmm. that's gonna be your first test stop. Uh, other important news that uh, was cut out of last episode, Shakes Fist, I have a cat! 
Hooray so if cats. You, if you hear purring in this episode, it's because cat is around or meowing. Uh, she might go outside if she makes too much noise. And if yeah. I do that, Peter and Grant will probably freak out and stop recording again. Uh, yeah, we might. <laughs> no promises. I'm just going to keep you here till like 11, We've been Brandon. Known. <laughs> yeah, well, the idea is to is to um, hold Brandon prisoner at the microphone. Mm-hmm. With until a cat. he passes out, the cat passes out, or both of them pass out on top of each other. And then scrap it and make him start recording again oh, when he the, wakes the, up. The cat does like to be on top. Like, I, I let her, ow, 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 ow. Okay. And she, that would be a non-declawed climbing cut. over Brendan's lap. No, no, that was not climbing over Brendan's lap. That was trying to climb up my leg. Yeah. Non-declawed. I love Rowdy, but yeah, we're keeping that in. <laughs> my own to Rowdy. Anyway, so... uh. Welcome to life with cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, our wife refers to ours as a cotton ball stuffed with needles. Yeah. Sounds like oh, you are getting the same experience. Yeah, my, my mother has started calling this one trouble, which is because yeah. its name is Rowdy. Ha ha ha! I like that. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the cat does like to fall asleep on me. Like I have her in my closet right now. Like that's that's where her litter pan and food and stuff is because we're we have to keep her separated from the other cat, which just came back because they aren't really friends yet. Right. Uh, I opened her up in the morning because it was six o'clock in the morning and I didn't know where it was and she was crying. She spent the next two hours laying on my shoulder as I slept. Like, I was on my side and she was just right up there on my shoulder, right on top of me. My wife and I joke that ours' entire uh, internal monologue could be summed up by the word snuggles and different inflections. <laughs> <laughs> snuggles, snuggles, snuggles. <laughs> I have one whose only internal monologue is food and one whose only internal monologue is hatred, so you're lucky. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, well. And that's a perfect segue into the fact that this is uh, part of our Virtues and Vices episode. This is the mm-hmm. uh, Opposed to Wrath episode, Patience, Peace, and Mercy. Yep. Uh, these all go under the traditional header of patience in... Uh, the name for this concept, but it's got three distinct parts, so we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. But first, we've got some scripture, as we are wont to do. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Peter, I think you wanted to take Ecclesiastes, yes? Yeah, I'll take that one. So this is Ecclesiastes 7, verses 8 and 9. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. And this is Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 32 through 38. But recall those earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not, therefore, abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. And then we've got a third one from Galatians 5:22 through 25 By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. 
All right, this is James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We're talking about patience tonight, and it's glosses on patience, uh, mercy and peace. And, and like Peter said earlier, we have this virtue patience, which is framed largely as a counter-virtue to the sin of wrath. It's not one of the Greek cardinal virtues. It's not one of Paul's theological virtues. It's really listed in Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that Peter read, among the fruit of the Spirit. St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica declares that patience safeguards the good of reason against sorrow, and he quotes St. Augustine, A man's patience it is, whereby he bears evil with an equal mind, i.e. without being disturbed by sorrow, lest he abandon with an unequal mind the goods whereby he may advance to better things, which is perhaps difficult to follow, but essentially what St. Thomas and St. Augustine are saying here is that we are encouraged to patiently suffer hardships, great and small, rather than letting them overwhelm us, because when they do overwhelm us, We are distracted or distraught or sorrowful, and we cannot do God's work because we're thinking of those things instead of the things we should be doing. In a way, patience is sort of a defensive virtue. It doesn't encourage us to do anything. Rather, it prevents us from falling into sin. It's a little bit of an enhancer virtue, too, I think. A lot of the time, patient consideration of various other good deeds or good works can make them more effective because you've given them time to think them through, which I admit overlaps with diligence a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I think maybe having the patience to go through the process in the first place leads to diligence. You can. It's been kind of a common theme that these virtues and vices kind of overlap with each other. So right. I don't know that you know the fruit of the Spirit are easy to separate from one another. They rarely act independently. What do you yeah. mean they overlap one another? We're doing three of them in one episode. They can never overlap, ever. It's no, crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. Absolute crazy talk. Patience, it's very commonly recognized as a virtue in practically every moral and philosophical and religious tradition in the world. Yeah, in fact, there are actually a couple of philosophical traditions like Stoicism that are based entirely around patience. Yeah, so there, there's a couple of core components of patience, and really they're all about Enduring discomfort, uh, boredom at times even, and serious problems. It's a little bit tricky here because as Christians, we're expected to be patient, to endure these serious and painful problems without complaint. But we're also encouraged to cry out to God for surcease from that anguish. And I I wanted to distinguish between those two things for a moment, because when we say, you know, God, take this cup from me, that's an act of faith in God. That's saying, God, you have the power to relieve my suffering, to make things better, and I put that in your hands. Whereas when we complain, instead of patiently enduring whatever is besetting us at the time, What we're really trying to do is push that discomfort or pain or tedium off onto someone else and make it someone else's problem. Well, this is where that phrase, misery loves company, comes from. Yeah. Or part of it, anyways. It's the same spirit, certainly. You know, we want to 
either make others as miserable as we are, or, in, you know, well, instead of me being bored and uncomfortable, how about you be bored and uncomfortable and I go do something else? It's a very selfish act and a very selfish outlook on things. And that's something that will probably come up later, but I just wanted to mention it before we got too deep into this. Now, there's two glosses on this that we wanted to talk about sort of separately, and what, the first of those is mercy. And this is actually the concept that I think most people would, would most readily see as being directly opposed to wrath. Wrath is, I'm angry, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to make you suffer, I'm going to exact harsh retribution. Mercy is kind of what encompasses things like leniency, forgiveness, not going and doing what you'd really like to do when somebody has wronged you. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not even necessarily wronged you, but wronged someone else, or could theoretically wrong someone. Um, Just as in episode 24, where we talked about anger being constrained by reason, mercy is that point at which it is constrained, especially when you're applying judgment or justice. When you let your anger take over and overrun your reason, that's when we give up mercy. On a societal level, this is kind of where you start getting what are considered to be just laws as opposed to overly harsh ones. I mean, for a long time in the ancient world, pretty much everything was punishable by death. If you stepped out of line, you were going to be killed for it, and probably not in a very nice way. These days, we've got, at least in theory, a much more merciful system of justice with you know, things like fines or court supervision or you know, community service or that sort of thing. Now, granted, there's still harsh penalties in our system, and sometimes they get over-applied, but at least some of the principle is visible there, where you've got kind of this idea of graduated consequences, you know, let the, um, on a societal level, let the punishment fit the crime can be a form of mercy. If you've ever gotten a speeding ticket and the judge has let you off with court supervision, you've experienced mercy! Yeah. Formalized, of course, but that's one form it can take, but this also goes into interpersonal relationships where if somebody does something you really don't like or wrongs you in some way and you just kind of let it go or you tell the person, hey, not cool or something, but you stop short of grinding them down for it or retaliating or seeking some sort of redress. This is this is when the person cuts you off in traffic and you're just like, eh, whatever, he's probably yeah. late to a meeting. I saw a horrible news story today of two uh, drivers who had basically had some sort of altercation on the road of sorts and um, shot each other dead. Oof. Yeah. And this is, you know, where we had kind of disagreed off the mics about whether mercy was really part of patience. And this is kind of where it is. If somebody's done some wrong to you, letting it go, or at least not overreacting, not letting your wrath and, and anger take control of you, that's why this falls into that category of patience. Right, well, well, it's sort me, of a... It's related, I would say. Well, let, me, let me clarify what the argument was. Uh, in the first uh, take of this, you said that mercy comes directly from patience. Patience leads to mercy, and I was the one who said, no, patience and mercy are two separate uh, ideals. Hmm. Uh, and while they're, they are somewhat interlinked, is yeah, I guess you, you have to be somewhat patient and not punch a guy in the face in order to forgive them, but the act of forgiving someone is not patience. The act of forgiving someone is mercy, because you're not waiting to punish them later, which is what patience would be. 
the act of forgiving them is going, okay, well, you're good, you've wronged me. I don't, I don't me, think all waiting is the, uh, is the virtue of patience, though. Yeah. Not all waiting, but I would say a lot of waiting is, because that's what patience is. It's waiting. It's making sure that you are getting things in their right time. I don't necessarily agree. I think part of the problem is that patience as a word has been co-opted. Well, its definition has expanded massively. Right. You know, we're patiently waiting for something, and to a certain degree that's being patient against boredom or small discomforts and that sort of thing. What we're really talking about here is a, a very specific definition of a virtue, not every possible use of a, an English word. Well, that is the definition of patience that I think 99% of the people listening are going to have because it's the one I have. So if we're redefining patience as something other than patience, then we need to say that clearly. Because I think of patience, I think of exactly what I described, waiting for the right time for things. I don't think we're really having a definitional argument here, Brandon, so much as the idea um, that the virtue of patience includes more than just the English word for patience and also doesn't include every single aspect of the English word of patience. Does that make sense? Kind of. I think it's a word that we use because we don't have a better one. Is that fair? Maybe. I don't know. Well, let's go with that for the purposes of the episode, at least. There is actually something I wanted to bring up, because we were talking about whether simply waiting is necessarily the virtue of patience. St. Thomas actually touches on this a little bit when he's trying to define whether or not patience is a virtue. In the Summa Theologica, he lays out objections to the question that he poses and then tries to answer those objections. And to try and read this a little bit to you here, when asking whether patience is a virtue, the second objection that he lists is, further, no virtue can be found in the wicked, since virtue it is, quote, that makes its possessor good, Yet patience is sometimes found in wicked men, for instance, in the covetous, who bear many evils patiently, that they may amass money, according to Ecclesiastes 5.16. Therefore, patience is not a virtue. And his reply to that is, uh, quoting Augustine, Properly speaking, those are patient who would rather bear evils without inflicting them than inflict them without bearing them. As for those who bear evils, that they may inflict evils, their patience is neither marvelous nor praiseworthy, for it is no patience at all. We may marvel at their hardness of heart, but we must refuse to call them patient. Okay, I need you to define what you just said, because... Yep, that's fair. Bear them without inflicting them, and inflicting with them without bear them was just words that I didn't understand. <laughs> I know. Augustine is verbose. Well, and it's written hundreds of years ago, <laughs> yeah, too. I, yeah. Yes, but so all right, I'm a layman. I'm an idiot. I don't know what wow. this means. Talk to me like the let's, idiot let's I just, am. Let's, let's, go, let's go with layman. Because <laughs> yeah, we're all laymen here. <laughs> yeah. We're all kind of trying to figure drained. this out together in some ways. What Augustine is saying, at least as I understand it here, is that somebody who waits for evil to come to fruition, uh, whether that be someone who waits a long time to amass money because they're covetous or, you know, in a, a more geeky sort of sense, you know, the, the mastermind villain who's waiting for his plans to come to fruition, wah-ha-ha-ha. There's nothing marvelous about that, and there's nothing praiseworthy about that. And I'm struggling with this a little, and I apologize. Well, I, I think this is about as far as we need to go with it. Of course, not all evil people are absolutely evil in every aspect of their entire life. Yeah. Right. And sometimes exhibiting certain virtues can actually make your vices worse. 
<laughs> well, well, yeah, I would much rather have a patient villain than uh, a non-patient villain. In fact, this is this, we're going to get into patience in the game, and I have an example of this to give in-game where the virtue of patience needed to come up because of things. Mm-hmm. Well, hold that for a second because we've got one more gloss that we should touch oh, yeah. on before we get into it. I completely understand. I was, I was just I was just bringing yeah. up the yeah. fact that... No, uh, foreshadowing. This, Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, foreshadowing and don't forget it. <laughs> I'm not going to forget it because I won't forget it. We're going to hold you to that now, you know. All right. Yep. Okay, so the other gloss that we wanted to touch on is peace. Obviously, we're probably not going to be touching on that for a huge length of time because that's kind of self-explanatory. In a way, it's sort of the proactive virtue against wrath. It's about as far as I can go with that one, honestly, because to us, we're kind of getting into things that I, as a layman, am maybe not entirely qualified to talk about. All right, so let's get down to the practical aspect of this. How does Please. this virtue apply in-game? Since we've kind of broken this into glosses, why don't we stick with the same structure for this part of the discussion? And um, how does patience work in game? I don't believe it does. You, okay, that's an uh, interesting uh, point of <laughs> I, view. I'm being a little facetious, but not entirely, because one of the things that is a kind of a, a problem with patience in role playing games is that role playing games tend to require proactive characters and proactive players. And patience is simply the virtue of suffering the ills that befall. See, Grant, a now I think you're falling into the exact same thing I'm going to say because okay. I don't think I think you are narrowly defining patience. I think a character can have patience. A character who has patience simply plays the long game. Mm-hmm. They can be proactively doing things, but they're doing the little things first, so that okay. then they can topple the big guy. Okay, that's fair. And I suppose I'm, I'm, you're right, I am getting away from the definitions that I'm quoting here, where it's simply suffering and handling those complaints that, you know, a character may have, the ills that may befall them without, well, without whining about it or trying to foist them off onto others. Well, and I'm going to pull this back to um, some campaigns that we were planning to have that never actually happened and go back to the idea of a colonization campaign. That is just full of patience. You have to patiently wait to get across the sea. Once you get there, you're not going to have an instant society add water and stir. You're going to have to set up your own infrastructure. You're going to have to figure out what your government is going to be. You're going to have to make all of your buildings. You're going to have to set up your agriculture. None of these things are things that can be done overnight unless you're in some kind of an ultra-tech setting with instant terraforming like Star Trek. Or d But if you're doing... Well... Even D&D, I mean, let's say you've... I'm being facetious. Apparently it's my night for facetiousness, but... No, no, but you you make an interesting point there, because let's say that you've got, you know, a couple of high-level spellcasters with you. In fact, (laughs) let's even say that you've got four. You've got four So they can each be doing two things, you know. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to probably cut the time down by a tenth or something, but you're still not going to make a fully functioning kingdom overnight. Well, obviously you don't have the summon kingdom spell. <laughs> okay. I suppose if you're if you're playing demigods, it's an entirely different thing, but Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're you're right. And there is that level of privation that would set in that people would have to deal with. Well, let's say you have someone who uh, they are a depossessed prince or a depossessed king because fantasy is just full of those types of characters and they want to get their kingdom back. Well, you know, there's there's yep. t- 
two main roads to do this. One, they can storm the gates of the castle and take it back by force. The second is that they can go to all the neighboring areas and gather political support to oust the guy bloodlessly. And, you know, that is the perfect example of patience versus wrath. It's because one is the combat way of we're going to take this by force and blood and it'll probably lead to a whole bunch of really, really upset people because you slayed my brother and blah, blah, blah. Versus if you do it politically, you're a lot less likely to kill someone's brother uh, unless you're doing assassinations, which are bad. Yeah, generally they're they're quite bad. <laughs> yes. I still think there's a problem, and this is sort of an in-game and out-of-game problem, where players and characters tend to just sort of charge into things. Well, and I mean, to a certain extent, that's encouraged. I mean, that's... Yeah, that and that's, that's what I'm trying to get to. We, we, the hobby tends to encourage proactive players and characters, and if it's limited to just proactiveness, that's a good thing, by and large. But it can quickly become, I want something to do, I punch someone at the bar. I demand to be entertained right now, so I'm going to do something. Yeah, and disrupt the campaign and make things more yeah. difficult for everybody else who's sitting at the table. Well, sometimes right. it can even hurt you. Like, in the Monster Arts game that I'm running right now, uh, one of the players is playing uh, an Ananasi, which is a spider trickster god character. And one of the things that that character is based around is that person has hidden motives that they are trying to achieve. Uh -huh. And the mechanics say that if people figure out what the hidden motives is, they become their darkest self, basically a villain. So they have to go about doing what they want, very trickily, uh, very sneaky, very much with patience. Because, like, like a spider weaving a web. Like, a, most spiders don't go out and hunt for their food. Uh, most right. of them lay a trap, whether it be a web or, like, they sit around and they ambush things that come past. Right. Uh, yeah, whatever it is. Unless you're in Australia, they're not actively chasing food. <laughs> yes. Well, I suppose, I think tarantulas may actively chase food. I don't know. They're big. They break rules. Uh, I think they're ambush predators. They might chase over a short range, but I think they yeah. start in hiding. I don't know. Yeah. They're spiders, and I kill them with fire on sight. <laughs> anyway. Really? Spiders are on your side. They want to eat stuff that wants to suck your blood. And, and I know that, but they have legs that move in really creepy ways, so they, no. Yeah, no. um, uh, he he chose his goal, and he was pursuing it pretty doggedly and pretty overtly, mm -hmm. and so I basically had to tell him, hey, look, um, if you do this, it's going to get out quick. You, you need to be patient with this. Like, yeah. you, need to, you need to go about this in a more conditioning way. Now, again, we're talking about someone who's kind of a bad person, because in Monster Hearts, you all kind of play bad people because you play teenagers, and teenagers... Yes aren't that nice, generally. I'm trying not to make it a huge everyone kills everyone, backstabs everyone, and it's more of a, a dysfunctional group dynamic <laughs> that we have. Oh, it's gotten one no, game. No, but I mean, yeah. as you said, teenagers are kind of in the process of growing into their virtuous feet a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean... I was I know, a terrible I'm a, person as a teenager, so... Yeah, I was I was pretty bad myself. I'm certainly a long ways from perfect now, but I'm a lot better than I was as a teenager. Yeah, like, I think high school I was better because I tended to hang around with older, more mature kids, but middle school? Oh, good lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. But anyway... <laughs> the worst three years of my entire life. I know. I prefer bad. not to even think about it. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was something in my game, was like, 
an example of where a character could have patience, especially playing that character. Uh, another thing where uh, patience didn't happen is in, in my Y2112 game that I always talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got into the first town, which they finally have left, and I, I basically told them, at the, when as soon as they got into this town, that this town does not have your answer in it. They proceeded to obsess over all the people that they were offending, and, you know, they said, well, then he can't help us, and they, they kind of forgot that I say that no one in this town can help you with the amount of food that you need. Admittedly, because they were talking about things, they have gotten some more help than I thought they would get from that town, because of how things have played out, but yeah. For the most part, it's patience, and like we've had some people who have exhibited it. I've known people in games who have come up with huge, long-arcing plans that they, they want to achieve throughout the campaign, and that's the ideal of patience. I don't know, it's, it's a funny thing, and this sort of gets back to what we were talking about when we were talking about Wrath, how the revenge story is omnipresent in media everywhere. The idea that you just, you know, accept what happens. And forgive the other person. Yeah, and just... It's a wonderful, admirable thing to do, but it doesn't leave you much narrative arc unless you're really willing to try for it. Right, and we call it a temptation for a reason. It's a hard yeah. thing to give up, but it's something it's we're called probably to Probably one do. of the hardest. I mean, one of the strongest yeah. human desires is the desire for redress when we've been wronged. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, and in some ways it's not a very flashy virtue, but it's a very impressive well, one. The need for redress when we're wronged leads directly into mercy. Yes. Redress as opposed to vengeance. Yeah, or, or even or even just letting it go and saying, there will be no redress. I understand what has happened. I don't need to keep going with this vengeance. I'm done. Right. Or I don't understand what happened, but I'm not going to accomplish anything by perpetuating a cycle of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and by and large, the games that we play, and I'm not, not going to be so foolish as to try and say every game that we play, because there's an awful lot of them out there, and there's an infinite number of stories to tell. But by and large, the, the default sort of story for a lot of games is that revenge story, and, and to a certain degree, a, a story of disproportionate responses, escalating violence and that sort of thing. And that's the, the virtue of mercy is a big part of that, and... I have seen it happen a time or two in games, and it's very powerful when it does, and what's so strange is that even when there's a moment where at which mercy comes into the fore and it is applied and we have a great character moment out of that the next week, it's like we've completely forgotten that lesson. When you were saying that, it kind of brought something up. You know what my favorite Old Testament story of mercy in the whole Bible is? What? The entire book of Jonah. The entire book of Jonah is nothing but a huge string of interconnected stories of God sparing various people and picking on Jonah when he doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it is, kind I of. I think that is God at his most playful, actually. In, in some ways, yeah, you're, you're right. The one thing I, I do want to say is I've, I've tried to put mercy in my own games. Like, an event that just happened last game is it was revealed that the woman that has been following them around and they've sort of uh, let them into her party because she showed she had talents as a rogue, uh, was revealed to be one of the bandits that attacked them in, like, the second or third game we had. This was a character that I had intended to come with them the whole time, and then one of the characters punched her in the face. And But basically, what I set up was a situation where um, uh, all of a sudden they're surrounded by the bandits because they want this person back. 
and they don't know what happened to her. So she grabbed the thing she had, she ran out, and she hugged and kissed uh, the main leader of them and sort of revealed herself to be mm-hmm. this changeling, which is one of the groups of people that attacked them. And she talked the group that was attacking them into being merciful and not seeking revenge or for their route against the other people and their perceived like murder of her mm-hmm. against the party. And for that, most of the party basically said, well, you know, it's okay. You've you've kind of served your purpose. You've been a, a good person we've enjoyed having around, so you can, you can stay. I, I've tried to put in, like, little acts of mercy and elements where people can be merciful throughout my whole entire game. So it's not just, hey, you all kill people. And it's something easy that you can do. And this is where I want to go back, um, off on the, what's it called, revenge story. Having a revenge story is a perfect, 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 best, best way for you to put a mercy story in your game. You have someone, they're out for revenge through the whole entire game. Show them acts of mercy. Show them Uh someone forgiving someone else for a wrong. Show them this and, and keep reinforcing that when people don't forgive people worst things happen to them because that's true that's what happens when you don't forgive someone nothing really could ever comes of it you end up kind of destroying yourself speaking of uh cats earlier Mm -hmm. i i heard a phrase somewhere and i wish i could remember where but it stuck with me for years a grudge is like an angry cat the longer you hold it the more it hurts you yeah (laughs) and so basically you, you you kind of show them and then you bring them to the final confrontation and you let them make the choice and right. then you give them the consequences of that choice. Is, right. Do revenge they or mercy. Them? Yeah. Do they follow down the path of revenge? If they do, probably they're, they're going to get their instant gratification there, but a whole lot of bad things await them. They've probably made their lives worse. If they give into mercy, well, then it might not feel very good at the time, or maybe it feels okay at the time. But in the end, it probably will be better because they've gone off with it. At least nothing bad's going to happen. Well, and if you're using this as a, a teaching or, thanks Jack from last week, therapeutic kind of role-playing, you probably want to reinforce those mm-hmm. good consequences instead of going the Saving Private Ryan thing where the mercy comes back and bites them. Yeah, you don't want to punish people for doing the right thing. No. No, I, I agree. And, and yeah. you're right, I love the idea of sort of a story of, of forgiveness and mercy disguised as a revenge story. I think that could be very powerful, especially over the course of a longer game. Those are just cool in media. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all seen, you know, something where somebody is hunting somebody and, you know, they, they get them dead to rights and it's just like, uh, you know, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. In fact, A Boy Named Sue, the comedic Johnny Cash song deals with that. Mm-hmm. He eventually finds his father at the end and they get into a huge fight and he realizes kind of that there was more going on here, and they reconcile. Brandon, one of the things that I wanted to do in our uh, Science of Storytelling series is talking about themes and motifs, and that's a perfect example of putting a a theme like that into a game where it seems contradictory, but it's really the essence of the story. Yeah. It's like the whole redemption thing. You can't have a redemption story if you don't start out as a fallen individual. Right. It's like, well, I'm good, and then I was redeemed. What? <laughs> There's not a lot of a story in yeah. somebody who constantly displays a virtue. There's a lot of story in somebody who learns a virtue. While these vices are not a good thing to show in your personal life, 
they are great to show in game and to have characters around because everyone has them and working through them can serve as great tools and remembrances for when you actually have to face them in the real world. And they also provide great fodder for storytelling. It's it's a way to practice them in a way. Yeah. That's kind of part, at least, of the whole um, concept of what the Bodana group is mm-hmm. doing, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. unless I totally mm-hmm. misunderstood Jack, the idea is to kind of practice being virtuous in a safe context so it's easier once you get out into the real world. Yeah. You know, there's probably specific behaviors they're working on and that sort of thing. We're not qualified no. therapeutic <laughs> you know, psych- uh, psychotherapist, so I don't want to try and put words in his mouth or anything oh, like that. No, but I, I think t- the essence of it is right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I'm not a psychotherapist, but I talked to one two weeks ago, and I remember some of the conversation. Oh, I'm totally a psychotherapist. I got my license within the past two weeks. Didn't you hear? Like... <laughs> Before we get too far down that rabbit hole, peace. Do we want to talk about peace? Uh... Because it's a tough one to talk about in some ways, especially in a role-playing game. The pacifist character, but that's kind of a one-note, one-token thing. You can have characters that are peaceful and at peace. Kind of there is a little bit of a carrot for characters that are trying to become more virtuous to aspire to. You guys have got plenty of history in going to church you ever meet some of like these really old believers that are like they have nothing left to prove to anybody? They're very much at peace with God and each other, and they're just you kind of look at them and you're like, man, when I'm eighty, I hope I'm like that. <laughs> That's kind of what we're talking about here. I, I have think. a perfect example, which Peter, you will not understand, but Shiro from the Dresden Files. Dresden meets him in the middle of a monster fight, and. The first thing that happens is Shiro holds out his cane and says, hold, please, to Dresden, who's freaking out and trying to get this guy to safety. And then and then throughout this fight, it's a fluid motion. Like, I think it's described as like the monster swipes at him and he just takes a step to the left and the monster swipes at him again and he takes a step to the right. He's a very centered person. He He's mm-hmm. doing everything that needs to be done and no more, right? And it's interesting that you bring him up because he is specifically a warrior. He's a knight of the cross. Exactly. But he's a person who's very much at peace with himself and, at least in his case, the divine, if not God specifically. He's an interesting example of that. And it's peace in in the sense of not responding to anger and provocation, I think, can be very powerful in a character. And frankly, it's kind of fun to play because it's an easy way to differentiate good characters, whether player or GM, from the villains and antagonists in the story because it's people who can accept things with equanimity. Well, there's a great old, like, folktale about martial arts where this student goes and he's learning his martial art. And one year he he leaves from class and on his way home he gets mugged. And he's learned just enough where he manages to fight off the robber and, you know, he shows up in class the next day all, like, battered and bloodied, but, you know, he he won and, you know, he's very proud of this. And another ten years pass and it happens again. And this time he's gotten so much better that he does kind of what you were describing where he's just not there when the other guy is attacking and that kind of freaks the robber out and he runs off in search of easier prey. And then another ten years afterwards... Um, He comes uh, upon the same spot and he knows he's about to get robbed and he walks over to the bush and takes his coin purse out and he says, if you are here for my money, take it. 
I would rather you have it than cause a fight. <laughs> if a man steals your cloak, give him your coat also? Yeah. yeah. And this kind of goes back to this being a virtue in virtually every culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that there's much to say about that. It's a big concept to put into a character. I think it can be valuable to do. Well, the one thing I do want to say is that there is another aspect of peace, which does not only conquer wrath, but also conquers fear. Peace in the face of fear is something that is is huge. And oh, it, yeah, good call. Yeah, in that case, at least St. Thomas specifically calls that out as fortitude. That's another word for that. And it's specifically this idea of patience and peacefulness in the face of deadly dangers. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That's... It's a, a very distinct form of that where it's, this might kill me, but I'm, I have enough faith and patience that I will do the things that need to be done anyway, despite that danger. Yeah, or even this might kill me, but I'm okay with that. You know, it's... Right. Well, it also kind of goes with the, the five stages of loss and grief, also called the five stages of dying, where, like, the second one is anger, and then yep. it ends with acceptance, which is basically peace. Someone who is at peace, and, and that is something that you could put into a character very easily. A character who has, let's say, a mortal wound, something that's a terminal disease, this disease is going to kill them, Yeah, and they've come to accept it. So they are just doing the rest of their lives before they succumb to this disease which will end their life. Yeah, there's um, a great group template in Unknown Armies. You're a group of people who... Each and every one of you has a terminal disease, and that's sort of how you came together. And you're all sort of like, you know what? We need to change the world before we go. That reminds me of the game Eternal Sonata, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, it, it's a. I know it was on Xbox, but it was a role-playing game, and you played, I think it was Mozart? Uh, Chopin? Yeah, Chopin, near the end of his life. Oh, that's as right, I do yeah, have that. Yeah, as he's laying dying in bed, this is like the exploration of the dream he's going through. And what was really interesting about the world is the fact that the people who had magic in the world were suffering from terminal illness. Right, that was the only way you could get magic. Magic, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I liked that concept. It's, it's a really cool concept of this is the price you have to pay no matter what. That's the only way for it to happen. It wasn't even a price that they had to pay. It was just something that happened. Like, it's, it, it doesn't matter whether or not you wanted this price or not. This thing happened to you. That's the reason you get to do this. Uh, you're dying anyway, so might as well enjoy mm -hmm. it. No, it's a great character concept or, mm -hmm. and kind of a great setting concept in a lot of ways. Magic is a physiological response to terminal illness? Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. It's kind of neat, isn't it? it it's, yeah, could do a lot with yeah. that. It's not like I completely stole the idea of someone laying dying and writing a story. <laughs> no, Kind of no. totally based all around that. <laughs> totally not doing that <laughs> right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we've talked about this for a while. Let's talk about out of game, shall we? Yeah, mm -hmm. let's, because this is kind of important. This is something that you really need to kind of have to make any gaming group work. First, patience. Let's all be honest. We've all been in a boring game session. Every last one of us. Peter? Yeah? Two hours. Dirt road. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Kinda, uh, I don't want to name names, but it was... Road. Yeah. It, we, we spent two hours, I, at least, trying to go a mile down a dirt road in a mountain 
in a shower yes, in the I, end, and that I, was I definitely remember that. Mm. Yeah. Prime example of patience because it was just okay. We just got to deal with it. Maybe a player, maybe a GM, just isn't good at what they do, and or they're just having a bad night. Having a bad night. There's any number of reasons. Or <laughs> and you don't want to just throw it in their face. Just deal with it. You know, make some suggestions. Hey, you know, I think you could improve here and there. This is what maybe you want to try and focus on. You know, make some constructive criticism if you can. But you can't just storm out and be like, well, I can't deal with this. This is taking too long. The other thing that works really well in a situation like that, especially if the person is new or you're new to the group, is selective reinforcement of anything you thought was positive. Yes, absolutely. Instead of constructive criticism, it's, you know, latch on to the few things that you really did like and, you know, be like, you know, this thing and this thing were really awesome. I'd love to see more of this and this in future games. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. You just got to be patient. And patience in the metagame, which is the outside of game going inside, is be patient in the storyline. Don't always go, okay, I want to kill the king. I want to kill the king. I want to kill the king. Yes. You want to know what the best instance of patience, and it wasn't even something that I consciously did, but in one of my games, we were trying to get a ship that was Mm -hmm. supposed to be ours, Mm -hmm. and I came up with this great, huge, out-of-the-box plan to get the ship that involved us basically turning the little town we were in into a military outpost and getting the smugglers who were in the smugglers' cove to join the Navy Mm -hmm. that no longer existed in this nation. And it was this huge, you know, huge, what's it called, uh, world-changing plot, because that's how my character thought. He He was an elf, he lived for thousands of years, so he thought big. Basically, what ended up happening is we went to this guy and we convinced him to do the plan. And he's like, okay, well, he might not have a ship when he get back. I'm like, oh, well, he'll have a ship because I was just patient. I was willing to accept it. I wasn't getting that. Like after we walked out and like after the game session ended, the GM said, you know, he was going to just buy you your ship and give it to you at that point. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm totally glad we didn't do that because now that locks everyone else into going along with the plan and not just going, well, hey, we have the ship. Let's get out of here and not yeah. do what we want to do because my character would have flipped out and started stabbing people at that because he's like, no, I've made yeah. a promise. There's something you brought up, Brandon, either off the mics or in one of our previous failed takes, and that's patience while other people have their time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think, important as a player because you can't be the center of attention all the time. What do you mean? It's all about me. Well, welcome to no, the Brandon that's, podcast. That no, is the whole point. More Brandon. Yes. Well, when you've got time to edit it, go ahead. But, um, okay. all right. <laughs> you hear that, listeners? That's the sound of a gauntlet being thrown. That's it what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who it bounced off of. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> uh, but, why uh, is the left side of my head sore? <laughs> yeah, it bounced off of Peter. Peter's going to have it. <laughs> this is a really good ricochet. I'm impressed. Um, anyway, it's important to be patient while other people essentially take their turn. And I don't just mean, you know, in, in the combat round. Other people have stuff to do at the table, too. They have their own stories to tell and their contributions to make to the story. Let them. And this is, I think, a really common flaw, again, with very proactive players. I'm fine with someone's, you know, making things happen, but they need to be able to sit back and say, some of the things I need to make happen need to be the things other people are trying to do. And getting into the patience is not waiting, which you brought up there, you need to be actively engaged while you're doing nothing. Like the person who is sitting there and playing with their phone and chatting with someone else is not helping the game. And Uh, listen, 
I am so guilty of that. It mm-hmm. is one of my major flaws, especially oh, yeah. my when too. we're doing an online yeah. game. I mainly game online. The internet is there because that's what we're using. We can't shut it off. I have so, played Minecraft yeah. during sessions. I'm playing League of I, Legends I, right now. What are you talking that's about? Right. Well, what's your KDA? <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, oh, I don't know. I'm not actually playing League of Legends. Yeah, right I know. <laughs> <laughs> Other announcements. Grant got me into League of Legends. Blame him. Blame him. It's all his fault. I'm not even sure how I did because I haven't played in a year. Oh, you, you but didn't. I'll take I'm credit just, for just, it. I, you didn't. I'm just blaming you. I'm giving you. Okay, if I'm giving you credit, credit there in the negative go. context. There we Waha. go. <laughs> sure, why not? Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That ability to focus at the table and stay engaged, even when you're not the center of attention, I think is really important, and it's it's a crucial form of patience at the table. Yeah, everyone has seen this when it's been everyone's turn, and you get to the last guy, and the guy looks up from his phone, and goes, "Oh, what happened?" Right. And then you have to recount, and then he has to dig through a spell book looking for what he's going to do, and then he has to debate what he's going to do, and by that time he's dragging everyone else down. And, they're, and, and then, now everybody else is trying to yeah. be patient with him. And and, and, yeah. and they start drifting off. Oh, it gets hugely messy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And there's a lot of different techniques that a lot of other people have proposed for dealing with that. But ultimately, it has to be self-driven, you know? Well, and this is one of those things where it's definitely time to take the, the plank out of your own eye before going for the spec in your fellow oh, yeah. character, uh-huh. um, players. Because... We've all been the person who was distracted. Oh, yeah. We've all been the person who held up play because we were distracted. Yeah. And I, I think it's better to police ourselves than to try and police our fellow gamers uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm not saying this to be like, uh, as much oh, as no, I... Oh, no, I know you're not. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. just calling it out for the listeners. Yeah. As yeah. much as I so. joke and I, I make fun that I am the perfect person and I never do anything wrong, uh, it, it's, it's all comedy. I am horrible at this. I get TV troped every time I just click on a web page. And that's exactly what it is, is you click on a web page, then you go to another web page, and instead of it being all on TV tropes, it's just the internet. And yeah. then when someone goes, hey, Brandon, what are you doing? And it's worse because I'm running the game. And so I go, yeah. uh, well, yeah. Listen, you know how I'm podcasting right now? I have my hands behind my head, leaned back in my chair so that I can't touch the keyboard, hit control tab, and go to Facebook or something while we podcast. It's a habit now. Yeah. If I'm not right in the middle of something... I got to be doing something. You know, well, it's, you have to learn that patience. Yeah. Wait, uh, let's see. In, in the time we've been here, I've checked Fear the Boot. I looked up the definition of what pulp was. I, I opened up the Sith Sanctuary to get the Sith Code. I started looking at the Jedi Code, and then I Googled the five stages of grief for yeah. you. And now, now, three of those was, were yeah. research. For the yeah, podcast. some of those were that's impromptu fine. research directly related to that. I mean, that's that's if we're going to parallel that to the gaming table, that's looking up your spells while you're waiting for your turn to come around. Yeah, yeah perfectly acceptable. But, and, you know, I'm sitting here going, can't check Facebook, yeah. can't check Twitter. I don't care if, you know, RPG chat's going on on Twitter <laughs> as we speak. You know, it's how it goes. It, it's, it's a habit and it is something that's hard to break, you know? Because we're a culture of instant gratification and multitaskers. So not, not only do we want it now, we want five things now. Right. And yeah. we want to start Which the is, next three. Yeah. So we that, want them all at the same time, yeah. and we want to be able to enjoy them all at the same mm-hmm. time. That's right. And we Which want to, humans are not biologically wired to do. We don't actually multitask, we task switch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which means we never actually focus on anything, nothing is ever satisfying, and we keep trying to satisfy it with more. Well, it's, it's the reason why I'll play a video game 
but like I'll have a TV show on in the background, or I'll have my iPod on listening to Fear the Boot or or one of our podcasts or Shark Bone or something like that, uh, or oh, Keith and the Girl. Yeah. And because I don't care about the noise from the game, the noise from the game is not new information or even interesting information to me. I want other information. I'm bad about that. Just like sit down and watch a t- uh, TV show, and I pull my phone out and start playing a game on it. Well, am I watching the TV? What am I trying to do here? Yeah. You know? Anyway, enough self-flagellation on that front. Let's start self-flagellating on the mercy front. I'm mixing metaphors, but that's all right. Um, I don't think we're going to self-flagellate so much. I mean, I haven't like gone out and beat up hobos or anything like that. Or No, but I've certainly been harder on somebody than oh, I yeah. needed to be. I mean, yeah. it was... There have been a number of times in games where I have gotten annoyed with somebody around the table and done something as a direct result of that annoyance to punish them in some way, and that's not good. Yeah. I'll tell you, I have driven back from game sessions and complained the entire way back to the people I was carpooling with because something about the game annoyed me, or a player annoyed me, or the GM annoyed me, or the seat I was sitting in annoyed me. I just, whatever it is... And you have to let those things go. Let bygones be bygones. And that's that's part of mercy, is forgiving mistakes that people make. Or, you know, at the very least, not overreacting to them. If somebody needs, really, you know, needs correction, correct them, but don't go crazy. Do it with kindness. Uh, do you it know, with kindness, and there shouldn't be a disproportionate response. And I think one of the best ways of doing that is subtlety, if you can manage it, which... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of things I'm terrible at, I'm not very good at subtlety and never have been, but if you can maybe make it not so overt or you can put kind of a partial positive spin on it, that's a good way of going about it. I don't want to say spin. I think, you know, if if you're trying to, and this gets back into, you know, instruction and criticism, you know, if you've got a serious mistake that you need to point out to somebody, I think it's okay to come up and say, hey, so I need to talk about a good thing and a bad thing. Talk about the bad thing and talk about the good thing and... You know, it blunts the blow a bit, and that's that's perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say there can be someone in game who does something really horrible to you. Do you go, "What the heck? I'm never playing with you again," and then you walk away and you destroy the group because someone took the magical item you wanted? Yeah. You know, well, like, I would even say it's possible out yeah. of game. Yeah. You know, somebody does something that really offends you or hurts yeah. you out of game, and then it's, well, mm-hmm. how someone, do I respond yeah. to that? You're eating pizza, someone eats the last slice of your pizza, and there's half of a pepperoni left, and you only got two slices of the non-pepperoni pizza. You can be angry and, you know, gnash teeth all you want, but it's like, and admittedly, I've never actually had that happen in the games, in the groups I've been with. Whenever yeah. we've done that, everyone always was respectful and knowledgeable, because they really liked the pepperoni also, so it wasn't... Yeah. Like, they liked my yeah, pizza, too. I gotta too. say, the, the, the pepperoni is pretty awesome, I gotta say. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and to pick a, a less flippant example, if somebody makes a joke that really hurts mm-hmm. someone, and I've seen that happen at a table... And- oh, it doesn't have to be unnecessary sense of joke. Let's let's go full there. Someone crosses a line. Yeah, that okay. You didn't someone know, just straight you up crosses yeah. a line. You didn't discuss, you said... And, for yeah. example, extols the virtues of pepperoni to a Seventh-day Adventist. 
<laughs> well, what to I, use a very recent example. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I'm okay with people saying pepperoni tastes good. I'm not offended by people th- saying pepperoni tastes good. I jokingly want to say I hope hell tastes good, but I don't actually believe that. Right. Um, uh, like, and so... Uh, someone is really, really upset about torture because they've been abused. Okay. Or, no, or spousal abuse or abuse against women because they've been abused. And then this one guy is playing, you know, a rough barbarian, and he just starts slapping, you know, a woman around. Right. And goes and, way and, over that line. Yeah. Like, or he, he does it a couple times. The person tells him to stop. He doesn't because he doesn't understand what's going on. Or maybe he does and he just doesn't care. I think it works better if he doesn't understand, because if he, if he just doesn't care, then you have a problem. Yeah, he violates fix. a liner veil at the table. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, like, instead of, like, flipping the table and yelling at this guy and saying, how dare you, how could you, it's probably better to first do some patience, take a deep breath, uh, then, like, go, I need to excuse myself so that you can be at peace. And once you're at peace, come back and show the person mercy. Be like, look, I understand this. You need to know this. I forgive you. I know you're a good guy. We've always had those great adventures. I love being with your character, but we need to find a way that your character won't do this again. If they're a good player, they'll probably, you know, like it. I mean, maybe their character sees how much it hurts your character, and character goes, oh, I shouldn't do that. I like this person. Right. Yeah, mercy does not mean not addressing the problem. Mm-hmm. It means finding the right response to it that helps both of you. Yeah. Mercy is quite simple, not taking the eye for the eye. Well, and I mean, that that sometimes can mean not addressing the problem, but it yeah. doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. if it's, if it's going to continue to be a problem, it's something that should be addressed. Yeah. Um, the bit of scripture that we used in our last episode uh, with the woman who had been caught uh, committing adultery and brought before Jesus to be stoned, Jesus forgave her and then enjoined her to not sin again. Yeah. You want to correct that behavior, but part of mercy is understanding that we are offered that opportunity to be corrected and to help correct others so that we can continue to be a good person and help others be better people. Well, I would hesitate to use the term correct others because that sounds all teachery and, you know, you're wrong in passing judgment, which is not something we're supposed to do. But what we should do is talk about the things... Well, if you're the GM, you can kind of take that Well, role, no, but... he's got a point, though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say it works better saying we are supposed to address the things that bother us. Going back to the eye for the eye, instead of taking the eye for the eye, in which both people end up hurt, instead, mercy is getting uh, a treatment to your missing eye. It's bandaging the wound and making sure that this person isn't going to stab you in the other eye because he, he did it once before or, or go. And so that's not not engaging in mercy. In, engaging mercy is not taking the other person's eye because they took yours. Yeah. yeah. And also not taking their hand or their head. Yeah. As, yes. you know, a disproportionate response. Yeah. Or their, or their dignity or whatever else that they have. Or, or their reputation. Yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. It's taking their apology instead of those things, or removing yourself from the situation. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people won't apologize. Yeah. I guess their apology or your leave is mm-hmm. probably a good way of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then that leaves peace, peace, right? Yeah. And peace, I think, is actually one of the, the easiest ones to talk about. We've been talking about some kind of difficult stuff, but peace, you know, as an out-of-game virtue to focus Don't on at your gaming table... Someone. 
don't well, have a fight. Yeah, uh, I don't know which of you wrote this, but I really like the way you phrased this. Let the gaming group be a sanctuary away from the neat. stresses of life. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. We talk a lot about your gaming group being a sort of pre-built support group, a, a source of fellowship. And I think that's crucial to this sort of piece. It's a group of people you can go to to set aside the cares of the world and have fun. And maybe it's not laughing, hilarious fun every day. Maybe it's sometimes, you know, serious, uh, suspenseful games. But it's always something that refreshes you and relieves some of that stress. Well, let's go back to something Peter made us clarify a couple episodes ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Fun is not the right word. Engagement, enjoyment is the yeah. right word. Like, horror games, as we said, aren't fun, but they can be engaging. Being scared is not necessarily fun, but it can be really, really exciting and enjoyable for some people. Like, some people like horror movies. I don't get those people. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really don't either. <laughs> there, There's definitely lots of them. There's a huge market for it, so... What's really weird is I don't like horror video games. I don't like horror movies and TV shows. But you love horror role-playing games. Love them. Oh, they're a blast. I don't know what the difference is. I don't get you, Grant. (laughs) I don't either, okay? In (laughs) fairness, I don't understand me. I started listening to Welcome to Summervale, and I'm like, is this all going to be? Welcome to Night Vale? Night Vale, yeah. I'm like, is this all this is going to be? Just weird stuff? Yes. It's somewhat engaging, and I want to know about Carlos and his wonderful hair. See, shorn off, and I'm like, like I'm like, I don't care though. Although I will say, it's it's like I kind of want to run a Monster Hearts game set in Night Vale, because how interesting would that be? Oh yeah, yeah. Night Vale is a it's a crazy sort of place. It's like a really dark, bizarre, Eureka slash Lovecraft. Oh, Eureka! Was so awesome. Oh, uh, I love Eureka. It was great. Anyway, um. Peace out of game is important, and I think part of that, too, is, you know, we talk about it being a support group. If somebody's having trouble, offer them that peace. Reach out to them and say, hey, you know what, if you got something that's that's bothering you, talk to me, I'll do what I can to help you relieve that stress, and, and offer people, if they're willing to accept it, you know, offer them the sort of peace that comes through Christ, but if they're not there yet, well... Offer them the kind of peace that comes through having a person care about you, at least. Well, it, that comes through having a, a Christian friend who cares about them because... I'm going to scratch out the word Christian from that, because it's just a friend that cares about them. Well, I know we like speaking about Christians, that they're so amazing people, and a lot of them are, but you don't have to be. And that's not something that I want to put forward as this podcast is saying, that if you're in a problem, you need a good Christian friend. You know, you just need a friend. Whatever religious, Buddhist, atheist, whatever, you need a friend. Because the, the, the tenets of being a nice person are something that is in common in most every religion out there. And even that's non-religions. True. Everyone knows what it is to be a good person. Uh, and so that's what we need to be. No matter what it is, just be a good friend, a side of a religion, not trying to convert them or anything like that. Just be a pal. That said, you know be very intentional about being a good friend to them because when people are hurting, they need that badly. This is not the time to phone it in as a friend. Yeah. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) No, I... I, But surely you've done the... Oh, tell me that we all haven't done the... Well, if you need anything, just let me know. And you don't actually mean it. Or, 
you don't at all expect them to follow up on it, and you have no idea what to do if they actually called you and said, yeah, so I need something. See, for me, yeah. See for me, the, the funny thing is, don't phone it in when you're being a friend, and my mind instantly went to uh, phone a friend. Uh, yeah, well, me too. Do you want to use one of your lifelines? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'd like to phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Uh, and it's uh, odd that they're called... Don't phone it in when you need, mm-hmm. need a friend. Ask the audience instead. <laughs> Well, it's odd that they're called lifelines, and I mean that's that's what it is. Like it, it, it works, yeah. yeah. It's th- these are your lifelines when you're in trouble, when you're feeling bad, and when you need a sense of peace. Because if you if you need a sense of peace, you obviously don't have peace, and that's not nice. Because that's either fear or stress or anger, and all of those lead to the dark side. Yes. <laughs> and now Noble Bear is going to really come after you. <laughs> He, uh, he, he's queuing himself up for the mauling later. Is right. what's going no, on I've there? I never said that fear leaded to anger, or anger leading to fear, or anything like that. I said all of those <laughs> bad things leading to okay. the dark side. I'm right. completely Re- right. Real quick, before we wrap this episode up, everybody whose internet pseudonym ends in bear, we love you. You're great. We promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> on that note, shall we wrap this up, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Yes, let's. I please. need to get some air conditioning in here. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <In here. laughs> folks, thanks for listening. The heat. Thanks for listening, <laughs> folks. Have it's a good one. We're punchy. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. See you later. This has been a production of Saving the Game, copyright 2013. This podcast may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial non-derivative license, provided that credit is given to savingthegamepodcast.org. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. For past episodes, podcast news from our hosts, or to connect with us, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.